How often do you find yourself listening to a singer-songwriter and wondering, what's it like to be in their brain? Gosh, I wish I could take a lesson from them. Well, that's exactly what you're gonna do today with none other than Towns Van Zant. I've been watching tons of interviews from Towns and I've compiled six brilliant songwriting lessons that I'm gonna share with you in today's show. Hey, TAC family, welcome to episode 187 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show. This show's all about bringing fun, focus, and progress to your guitar journey through my weekly Guitar Geek list, plus success stories from your fellow TAC members. Do you ever wonder what aspects of a guitar routine are actually related to your success? Well, you're gonna find out today because you're gonna get a firsthand look at TAC member Alexander W's guitar routine, plus you'll learn what to borrow from it so that you can supercharge your own guitar life. Plus, you're gonna get your weekly dose of acoustic guitar news you can use, which includes some guitar geek comedy, a new band that you've actually heard before, and zombies, but plus a whole bunch more. But first, let's learn from a songwriting master. We're gonna check in with Towns Van Zant and learn six songwriting lessons directly from him. Before I get into the six songwriting lessons from Towns Van Zant, I wanna say this. If you've heard of Towns Van Zant before, if you're a Towns Van Zant fan, this is gonna be a really fun episode. If you've never heard of Towns Van Zant and you're brand new to his songwriting, his catalog of music, this is gonna be a really fun episode. I combed through a bunch of interviews with Towns and found these six lessons that I think are incredibly important to anybody in their guitar slash songwriting journey. So let's go ahead and dig into those lessons. Lesson number six, inspiration is a two-way street. And this has everything to do with the relationship between Towns Van Zant and Doc Watson. Here's what Towns had to say. Well, I met uh, <clears throat> Doc Watson Long, long time ago, pretty long time ago, before I even, I saw him before I really knew who he was, and the first time I saw him play down in Houston at the, this club where I started, it was kind of when I was starting out, he came through town and played there, and uh, I've never been uh, more impressed by anybody, ever, I don't think. And uh, my, one of the proudest uh, days ever. One thing I remember, one point in my career that I remember real well is uh, when Doc recorded, he recorded a song of mine called, If I Needed You. Yes, indeed, inspiration is a two-way street. Towns was inspired by Doc Watson, and then Doc Watson went ahead and recorded one of Towns' original songs. What a cool uh, inspiration loop. I mean, I can't imagine sitting there and looking up to a guitar hero and then having that very guitar or songwriting hero then going ahead and recording one of your songs. I mean, how cool is that? What a mind-blowing moment. Okay, on to lesson number five, and that is be open to the muse. On two different occasions, Towns claims that the song simply came to him out of the blue. Here's how he recalls writing Poncho and Lefty. And uh, I wrote it in Dallas about 10 years ago, and it was one of those songs that is hard to, uh, I realize that I wrote it, mm -hmm. but it's hard to take credit for the writing because it came from out of the blue. It was like, it came through me, and it's a real nice song. The other song that seemed to just come out of the blue for Towns is Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold. And here's how he recounts capturing that song. 
You know my song, uh, Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold? Mm -hmm. That was 100% out of the blue. That was right, just trying to write it down so fast before it got away. I mean, it wasn't like I was figuring out what to say next. It was... Do you have any idea what inspired that? Uh, Poncho or Mud and Gold? Oh, both. Well, Mud and Gold was back during my uh, Wilder days when I made about as much money gambling as I did playing the guitar. Lesson number four, space speaks volumes. So often with songwriting, the emphasis is on what you write, the actual lyrics. And while that is true, the space and holes you leave are equally important. And Towns was a master at that. In fact, his friend Guy Clark said as much in an interview. Even though sometimes there's a lot of words, there's a lot of phonetic hot licks going on, it's the holes you leave, you know, emotionally and in the storyline. And Towns was like, it's almost, it, it, he was so good at it, it, it sounds unconscious. I don't believe it wasn't, I think he knew what he was doing, you know? How can you tell? Like, how can you well, because I know Towns. Right. He's a smart son of a bitch, man. And he's the coolest guy that ever walked. But he was not unaware of how good he was mm -hmm. and what he was doing. Right. I mean, I'm sorry. He just wasn't, right. he knew what he was doing, you know. It, it wasn't magic. Lesson number three, solid work ethic. Yes, it's true on a couple of occasions that the songs just seem to come to towns out of the blue, but it's his work ethic that allowed him to capture those songs and refine them to a point that they would have a lasting impact. Now, his son, JT Van Zant, sat down for an interview and actually recalled how towns would approach writing songs. Here he is. He had a rare talent but he also worked very, very hard to, to write those songs and to put himself in a place to, to create the music that he did. Towns, Towns approached a song with a very serious um, sort of ethic, work ethic about him. He, he, would, he would sit down determined to write a song and he wouldn't get up until he had completed that task. My, my mom tells stories that he would go in the closet, literally, he had a little closet he treated like an office that was only about four feet by two feet and he had a little desk built in one side and he would go in there and one day he was in there for you know over a couple days solid before he came out and and he wrote um, waiting around to die and a couple others actually in the closet <laughs> songwriting lesson number two immerse yourself in the song i hear from countless towns fans that his songs have this ability to tap into your own personal emotions. And I'm not sure if that was completely by accident. Because again, this interview with his son, JT, he sits down and talks about Town's songs and their universal appeal, and how he would put himself in the emotional state of the actual song he was writing. Here's what he had to say. I think Town's ability to put himself into the specific emotion that he was writing about um, it, it was such an inseparable sort of uh, meditation that, that he really ar arrived at central human emotion approach, and I think that that's what that's what that's what makes him so special. Songwriting lesson number one: the golden rule, in my opinion, is to speak the truth. There was a tribute to Towns Van Zant done at Austin City Limits some years ago, and right before Emmylou Harris sang a song, she mentioned her favorite Towns Van Zant quote. And it has to do with blues and zippity doo -dah. But really, the underlying theme here is speaking the truth. Here's what she had to say. 
I got to know Towns more through my friendship with Guy and his wife, Susanna, who's sitting down here at the front table. One of my favorite Towns lines was, uh, uh, he said there were two kinds of music. There was the blues and there was zippity-doo-dah. <laughs> and uh, even when he did a slightly upbeat, happy song, there was still the blues in it. And I guess that's what I, I loved about his songs because they always spoke the truth. After watching all these interviews with Towns, three things were abundantly clear. You have to show up to write, you have to show up to learn, you have to show up to progress. Bottom line, you have to show up. It's pretty clear that Towns had some sort of songwriting routine, and that would be my recommendation to anyone out there who's seeking to get started in songwriting or continue with songwriting. Make sure you have a routine that helps you regularly write songs. Just like we have a guitar routine that helps us regularly play. If you regularly play, if you enjoy playing, you will progress. If you regularly write songs and you enjoy songwriting, you will progress in the songwriting arena. Now, this also brings me to a question I have for you. For those of you familiar with Town's body of work, in the comments below, since we're talking about songwriting, I want you to mention your absolute favorite Towns Van Zant lyric. Okay, just go ahead and write it in the comments below. I'd love to see what lyric or set of lyrics resonates with you. Talking about guitar and songwriting routines, I wanna actually take a first-hand look at Attack Member's guitar routine. Alexander W. from Buckner, Missouri is gonna share his guitar routine with us. But first, I just realized that I have to share with you my favorite Towns Van Zant lyric, and it is this. It's from the song, If I Needed You. If you close your eyes, you'll miss sunrise, and that would break my heart in two. I just think it is such an impactful lyric and one that really kind of makes my hair stand on end whenever I hear it, whenever I say it, whenever I sing it. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I participated as well. Now on to Alexander W's guitar routine. Here's what he has to say about his guitar routine. And we're gonna get to three important pieces that I want you to take note of. Here we go. How many days per week do you play? My goal is to play every single day of the week. However, sometimes I only get in five days. What time of day do you play? I prefer to play early in the morning, just after breakfast and first thing after work in the evening. If I can practice early in the morning, then I know I've done my commitment for the day and playing in the evening is an enjoyable way to relax and wind down at the end of the day. Where do you play? I play in my home office space. It's quiet and I won't bother anyone. Now here's the impactful question. Go ahead and take notes on this one. What was your guitar life like before having a guitar routine and how has implementing a consistent guitar routine helped you? One of my greatest obstacles has been the tyranny of choice. There is so much I could, should, would like to work on that it always has been hard for me to choose something and stick to it. Now though, I have learned to stop worrying about everything and just focus on something. Tack has taken away my need to choose something for each day. It's just there, and it has been structured to help work on different skills, something which I might not have committed to otherwise. I still practice things other than what I do on TAC, but TAC gives me the structure and guided instruction that I need. The skills courses have given me insights into various aspects of playing, and they have also given me confidence that I can learn and progress in areas I had previously abandoned all hope for. Most of all, TAC has taught me to stop worrying about mastery and focus on gradual progress. And the bonus question, what is one non-guitar item that is a must-have in your guitar routine? If it's early in the morning, then it's my cup of coffee, but not in the evening, I still do need to sleep. 
I wanna thank Alexander so much for sharing his guitar routine, insight into his guitar routine with all of us guitar geeks. This allows us to see what works for him and then we can borrow those things and place them in our own guitar journey, in our own guitar routine and reap the benefits. There were three things that really stood out to me that Alexander is doing that I think we should all take note of. Number one, he actually has a routine that he's committed to. A certain number of days per week, a place that he plays, and a certain time that he plays. The second thing is that he's removed choice from his mental processing when he sits down with a guitar. He knows what he's gonna work on prior to sitting down and he simply does it. This way he can stop worrying about working on everything and just simply work on something so that he does indeed get some traction and make progress. And the last thing is that he's having fun. He's enjoying playing the guitar, something that I think we all need a little reminder of within our own guitar journey. Guitar should be fun. If you have fun and bring the focus that Alexander's doing in his guitar routine, you'll actually get progress on the regular. And that to me is like, the most awesome thing in the world. Okay, let's now hop in the Acoustic Tuesday private jet, and we're gonna go down to Clute, Texas. Uh, this is really cool, I just made a connection. Uh, today's, today's episode is about Towns Van Zant, who is known as a Texas singer-songwriter, and we're gonna go look at a guitar signal from Texas. This is brought to you by Chuck Pops Partington. Again, from Clute, Texas, and here's what he has in his guitar snow. First, a little salutation to us guitar geeks. Howdy, fellow guitar geeks. I stuck to just the acoustics and avoided the 16 electrics in the guitar snows, as this is Acoustic Tuesday. Here's what he has in his guitar snow. Pictured as follows, starting with the upper deck, left to right. A 95 Washburn D25S, a 2011 Alvarez AD60K, a 1995 Yamaha F345Y, a 1976 Ventura V6, a Johnson Resonator, that's right in the center, a 2020 Yamaha LSTA, that's a transacoustic, a 2013 Yamaha FX335C, a 2016 Fender CD60S, and a 1978 Ventura V17 12-string. Also, there's a Martin Backpacker laying in the front of the Johnson Resonator. And now we're on to the lower level in chairs left to right. A 2012 Yamaha FG720S12, a Makala Uke, a 1998 Lone Star Mandolin, a 1995 Gibson Epiphone PR77512, and he's holding a 1995 Ovation Celebrity 12-string. To his right is a 1980 Honer Contessa with a custom-designed, painted, and poured pickguard by an artist friend in Wyoming. What an awesome guitar signal. You got the outside picture. He's in Texas. Towns Van Zandt is from Texas. I mean, talk about the stars aligning for this episode. I don't do this consciously. It just happens. And to me, that just makes it feel like there's guitar geek magic in the air. Speaking of guitar geek magic, I've got a little piece of odd trivia for you, and that is this. So I was watching all these Towns Van Zandt interviews, documentaries, etc. Oh, by the way, you gotta check out two things. Heartworn Highways, great movie about kind of the, the Texas singer-songwriter scene. And then uh, you got like a young Rodney Crowell, young Steve Earle, Towns Van Zandt, of course, is in it. And then you've gotta check out the Towns Van Zandt documentary, Be Here to Love Me. But that brings me to the trivia. So I'm originally from Schaumburg, Illinois, which is a northwest suburb of Chicago. In watching a Towns Van Zandt documentary, he was 
born in Texas, I believe, but he bounced around quite a bit early in his life. And one of the towns that he lived in was Barrington, Illinois. This was way in his younger years, which is right next to Schaumburg, Illinois. Now check this out, it gets even weirder. I now live in Bozeman, Montana, and in his younger years, Towns spent some time in Billings, Montana. Talk about stars aligning. See what you did, Pops? See what you did? Your guitar snow's from Clute, Texas, and it just sent me on this long, rambling, trivia-laden path that I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Uh, but anyways, if you want to be like Chuck, Pops Partington, and you want to get your guitar snow featured on the Acoustic Tuesday show, and maybe potentially have me go down a really oddball rambling path, I want you to follow the three steps that are necessary to get your guitar snow featured. They are as follows. Step number one, go to AcousticTuesday.store and pick out your favorite guitar snow shirt. Step number two, when that shirt arrives, take a picture with you in the shirt amongst all of your guitars in your guitar snow. And then step number three, please visit AcousticLife.tv, click on the submit link in the top menu, and you'll be able to upload your picture and give us the listing of all your guitars, just like Chuck Pops Partington did. Ah yes, it's time to step back in the time warp and visit Acoustic Tuesday episode 184, where I talked about instant vintage guitars. The key ingredients for an instant, modern made, but vintage sounding guitar. Vintage sounding guitar. There were some great comments. In fact, the comments absolutely lit up on that episode. It's as if the comments were torrified. <laughs> that was a guitar geek joke. Hopefully you caught that. Um, a lot of opinions getting, flow getting flown around there. And I wanted to feature a few because there's some interesting perspective on torrefaction and the whole distressing of these guitars. I'll get into those. Let me feature a few of these comments. The first one is quite simple and it's very incredible. Impactful, if you will. Uh, in that episode, I brought up the term insta-vintage, to which Stephen Sachs left the following comment. Insta-vintage? No. Little emoji guy saying no. Instage? Yeah, that'll work. And I agree, Stephen, that's pretty darn funny and uh, I think pretty clever. Instage. Instage instruments. Insta-vintage? Instage. I like it. I dig it. I think it'll stick, at least in my mind. Our next, our next comment comes from Chi Chung Shuang. I, I hope I said that correctly. I try my best with these pronunciations. Uh, pronunciations, rather. Uh, he says this, guitar number four has a modern tone to me, referring to the Guess the Tone whole segment on that show. The high end stands out more and it sounds bright. The other three are rather close. And as to my guess, it's number three to be the vintage guitar. I'm waiting for the correct answer. I just can't skip any of the explanations before. Great episode. Well, uh, Chi, I think you have a fantastic ear. You picked out the vintage instrument, and I'm super glad that you enjoyed the episode as well. Our next comment comes from Joe W., and this is a pretty keen observation. He says this, is that a Lost Dog Street Band sticker on your laptop? To which Rasmus Zandavliet replies, looks like it. Cool. Indeed, it is a Lost Dog Street Band sticker. I absolutely love that band. I think the songwriting is top notch. Uh, Benjamin Todd and Ashley are, are just a great duo together. I saw them here in Bozeman and uh, it was a treat. They opened up for Charlie Parr and they're one of my favorite, my, my favorite musical entities out there. I think the songwriting, talk about, talking about songwriting on today's episode, I think it is very true and very, uh, um, Getting in, getting in touch with those emotions that the song should conjure up. I, I didn't really explain that well, but yes, I like the Lost Dog Street Band. Uh, moving on to our next comment from Silver Toy. They say this, Torrified wood has always made perfect sense to me. 
I don't go for the distressed look, though it's obviously very popular and some look amazing. But I can't imagine having to explain that one of the main things that give my guitar its character is fake. Interesting perspective. You know, one of the things about the whole uh, torrefaction and distressing, it really brought out a ton of opinions, as I mentioned before, and there's some really awesome perspectives. For Silver Toy, he's not into the distressing. Torrefaction, yes. Distressing, no. Which brings me to the next comment from Corey Evans. He says this, I'm personally a fan of getting new instruments that look new, and I like to put my own wear and tear on them. I need to play more torrified tops to have an opinion. And there's so many exciting new models out there that I don't know if I want a Martin slash Gibson copy, though I'd like to have a 12 fret Waterloo. And his next bullet point, somehow I guessed right. Number three lacked brightness in the top end, but all four were so close. And I preferred number one's tone. Really makes you question if vintage instruments are worth it. Uh, Corey, thank you for the comment and the kind of the, the nice, nicely bulleted list. I, it really gave some great talking points. And I think the last one is the one I want to highlight. You know, in that episode, I presented four different instruments. Three of them were new. One of them was truly vintage. And uh, there was a bit of a guessing game going on in that episode. And it makes you wonder, you know, they all the guitars sounded amazing. And if you take away knowing that one is vintage, it makes you really evaluate the tone on a pretty level playing field. Because I think once you know that one is vintage, there's a certain skewedness that happens. And I, I'm just as guilty of it as the next guitar geek, but uh, really interesting perspective again from Corey there. Our next comment comes from Don Adolfo. He says this, it's also a question of one's own age, I found out. Being above 70 now, I simply no longer have long enough lifetime to play a guitar until it reaches its fullest potential. Thus, starting a bit time advanced makes perfect sense to me. And that's why I just bought a Gibson Historic Southern Jumbo with an aged VTS top. And it simply sounds awesome. Highly recommended. I love this comment, Don. You know, I have to say, this perspective is awesome. Because here he's saying, you know, hey, I'm above 70 and I, I don't simply have the time to play a guitar in and get the most sound out of it that I can. So I'm opting for Tor Faction. I'm opting for a new old instrument. Awesome perspective. I really appreciate the comment, Don. Uh, thanks for being such an awesome and dedicated guitar geek. Our last comment comes from Jack Derby. 22. And he'd like to add two ingredients for a new vintage instrument to the list. I only had three, he's adding two, and I think they are dead on. Here's what he had to say. I'll add two more key ingredients, feel and price. The feel of these pre-aged guitars is like wearing an old pair of blue jeans. Super comfortable, and you don't have to worry about that first ding or scratch. I would love to buy a real pre-war Martin until I see the price tag that comes along with it. Yes, I'm a fan of these pre-distressed guitars if done right, just like I'm a fan of pre-washed blue jeans. I just received my second pre-war guitar company guitar, and they now have a two-year backlog, so apparently I'm not the only one. That said, I love all guitars, old, beat-up looking, or new and shiny. At the end of the day, tone and feel is what wins my hard-earned cash. Perfectly summarized. I mean, I think I think feel is huge there, and to throw the price factor in is also huge because Comparatively speaking, uh, golden age vintage Martin guitar is oftentimes well above $100,000 or approaching $100,000. Whereas, you know, a pre-war guitar is much, much less. And I think the tone is pretty, pretty darn similar. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm very much in Jack's camp here, and I, I appreciate the comment. Again, I appreciate the perspective. And since I'm on the appreciation train, I appreciate you for watching, and I appreciate you for leaving comments. Well, by the looks of it, it's time for Coffee Talk. Yes, indeed, also known as acoustic guitar news you can use. And we're gonna kick things off today with, well, a funny little item. In fact, there's a couple funny items today, but we're gonna, we're gonna kick things off on a lighthearted note. And this was a post I came across on Instagram. You have to have a look at it. This is what happens. I'm gonna call this guy the guitar cable guy. And here's what it says. When your cable guy drills a hole in the side of your house, into a closet, through a guitar case and right through your Martin HD28V. I can collectively hear all of us guitar geeks cringe at this, but I also have to follow it up with, what's the likelihood that that happens? I mean, seriously, that just stinks. I've actually been fed this post by numerous accounts, and I believe somebody emailed it to me as well, uh, in total disbelief that that could happen. But what can you say? You know what? I guess you can make lemonade there and maybe put in a a pickup? I mean, that's not the place that I would put in a pickup jack, but if you were making lemonade, I guess that's what you can do. Anyways, what an oddball. I wanted to share that with you. Our next piece of news comes from a new band that you've actually heard before, a new band that you're likely already a fan of. Mandolin Orange just changed their name to Watch House. And there's a whole story behind it. I think it's incredible and I think it deserves our attention because I know for a fact, if you're watching this show, you're likely a Mandolin Orange fan, which makes you now a Watch House fan. And you might be thinking, why the name change? What's the deal? They made a great post and I wanna read that to you right now because it explains some of the inner workings of this name change. Y'all, we have some foundational news to share today. Our band is now called Watch House. It's a new name to carry this music you know as Mandolin Orange into the future. We'd love to tell you a little more about it and share our new video and song, Better Way. Watch House comes from a memory, a place where I spent memorable, secluded, and meditative times as a teenager. During those same years, I learned how music wasn't just something that happened. It's a place. It's gravity. Strawberry Fields was the song that did it. It was an escape, and I began spending all my time there. I wrote song after song and found someone to share it with when I met Emily. This past year has been the first time we've stayed still since we were 21, and the pause gave us the opportunity to sit with ourselves and set intentions. We have long been burdened by the dichotomy between our band name and the music we strive to create. If you've heard the songs, you know they are personal. Now that we can see a future where music will be a shared experience again, we're defining the space we share with you on a stage or in your headphones and making it one that welcomes our creativity and anyone who wants to listen. We are lucky that Mandolin Orange means something to many people and have no intention of leaving behind our older material. It's as important to us as ever, and we can't wait to bring it back to your ears as Watch House, alongside a brand new album that we are particularly fond of, News Soon. Thank you for hearing our music. We owe something to anyone still reading this, and we can't wait to continue this journey with you. You can listen to our new song, Better Way, and watch the visual realization of our dreams above. XOXO, Andrew and Emily, Watch House. I love this. I quite simply love this. The fact that they put so much thought into this name change and that it truly means something on a very deep personal level is awesome. And for them to share it with all their fans is even awesomer. Yes, I use the term awesomer because I like it. I like awesomer. I think it's, it's more awesome than just awesome. It's awesomer. And speaking of awesomer things, now that we know the reasons behind that name change, let's actually take a listen to their new song, Better Way. Here it is.
I have a confession. Now, for those of you who have been watching the show for a while, this will come as no surprise. For those new to the show, I'm confessing that I'm a metalhead. I love acoustic music, but down deep, I am a metalhead. I really, truly am. And this next piece of news is something that I just simply had to share because, well, I'm a metalhead, I love guitars, and I love creative inlay. Now, this next post that I found from Mercier Guitars was right up my alley. Yes, it's zombie inlay. Wait, let me add to it, glow-in-the-dark zombie inlay. And I have to read just a little snippet of this post because, well, to me, it just defines how awesome it is. The White Zombie Project continues to be one of my favorites. I cut almost all the inlays while on the road in Europe with Lamb of God on the Slayer Tour. Great way to pass the downtime and teach some of my road homies about inlays. It checks all the boxes for me. You got zombie inlay. It glows in the dark. Mercier Guitars, I think it's Aaron. I think that's his first name, was on the road with Lamb of God and Slayer. I mean, it's like a, a, it's like its own ecosystem, its own metalhead ecosystem. It happens to be on a guitar. I love it. I think it's super creative. And I just wanted to share it with you because I know, I know there are some metalheads out there that watch the show. And I just want you to know, you're welcome. I mean, you're welcome to watch the show. And you're welcome for showing you such awesome inlay. <laughs> Moving on to the next little chunk of news. And this is a funny piece. This is a funny piece. There's an account I follow on Instagram that's called Memegrass Revival. And if you like bluegrass, if you like acoustic music, you simply have to follow this account because they create truly funny memes. And this one caught my eye because I like Stranger Things. I like Billy Strings. And what happens when Stranger Things and Billy Strings combine? Well, you get Billy Bobby Brown Stranger Strings. I thought this was funny. It's Billy Strings depicted as Eleven from Stranger Strings. It's just funny. That's all I gotta say. It's just funny. It's lighthearted. I wanted to share it with you. Our final piece of news comes from Carter Vintage Guitars. I am on Carter Vintage Guitars email list and every week they send me a list of what's new. Well, just a few weeks ago, they sent me a list and I saw this vintage 1945 Gibson SJ and I thought, that is so cool. So I opened it up. It happened to be Gillian Welch's 1945 Gibson SJ. And I believe the guitar has since sold because I went on the website and I just couldn't find it. I spoke very proper there. I went on the website. I went on Carter Vintage website and I couldn't find it anymore, but I did grab a picture of it. And I wanted to read this post because this guitar is packed full of mojo. Here it is. The right guitar on the right day. This fantastic sounding SJ was owned by Grammy winning singer songwriter, Gillian Welch. There's a handwritten inscription on the middle back brace that says April 14th, 1945, which happens to be a date that she has written two songs about. It doesn't get much cooler than that, and I thought, you know what, what a perfect piece of news to end today's show on. We started with a songwriter, we had some songwriting references in the middle of the show, and we bookended this sucker with a songwriter as well. From Towns Van Zant to Gillian Welch, you know what? It's amazing. In fact, I think Gillian Welch and David Rawlings' cover of White Freightliner Blues, written by Towns Van Zant, is amazing. The stars keep aligning, and if I keep going today, I might enter into another dimension. So I think on this note, it's a great time to end the Acoustic Tuesday show. I want to thank you so much for watching today. <clears throat> I just lost my voice. Hold on, let me get some more coffee. That'll sure help me speak a little bit clearer. I want to thank you for watching today, and let's take a sneak peek into next week. What are we talking about on next week's Acoustic Tuesday show? Well, next week, we're going to look at Luthiers, 
that make better Martin guitars than Martin guitars. Maybe it's the most controversial episode I'll ever do. I don't know, but I want you to tune in. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. here on YouTube. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for being a guitar geek, and thanks for just sharing your time with me. Remember, your guitar progress, your guitar success is directly related to your guitar routine, as we found out from TAC member Alexander today. So please invest the time in your guitar routine and reap the benefits of having fun every single day that you play. Remember, fun and focus equals progress. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you again for joining me today. And I salute you, guitar geeks. Cheers, and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Take care.